Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may hear this message. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites as we are reading through God's Word this year. In episode 238, or 239 today, excuse me, we are looking at Jeremiah chapter 51 and 52, which will conclude the book of Jeremiah for us. And, um, and then we will pick up with Lamentations and move forward beginning tomorrow. So let's discuss these final two chapters of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 51 is really coupled with Jeremiah chapter 50, which we began to cover yesterday. But 51 still is discussing this whole utter end of Babylon that God will bring to pass in its own time. So this is the prophecy about the utter destruction of Babylon, partially fulfilled in that day after the Babylonian captivity, but not entirely. Um, the entirety of it will st is still yet in the future, and we can read more about that in Revelation chapter 17 through 18. But first, I want to read verses 1 through 2, because I love the imagery that God is using here as he discusses Babylon. And there's another verse later in the chapter where this imagery is picked up on as well. In chapter 51, verse 1 and 2, God says this. He says, Thus says the Lord, the Lord is speaking, Behold, I will raise up against Babylon, against those who dwell in Lev Kamai, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, a destroying wind, and I will send winnowers to Babylon who shall winnow her and empty her land. For in the day of doom, they shall be against her all around. So here we have the imagery of threshing of wheat. And in that day, that was a well-known idiom and a well-known image, um, visual illustration or object lesson for them to understand. And so what would happen is they would harvest the wheat and then they would bring it in and they would thresh it and then they would take a winnowing fan or a winnowing fork, whatever you want to call it, and take the wheat and throw it up into the air and the wind would carry away the chaff and only good wheat would be left that would fall to the ground. So it was a way of separating the wheat and the chaff. That's what the winnowing process was all about. And so when the wind would carry the chaff away, then later they would burn the chaff. So God is saying here that in essence, that's what he will be doing with Babylon. And he says he's going to send a destroying wind. There will be winnowers he sends to Babylon, and they're going to winnow her. They're going to throw up the wheat, the, the wheat uh, grains or whatever, and the wind will carry away the chaff. Now, notice this. It says, and empty her land. What that is telling us is that when that winnowing fan and that separation of the chaff and wheat comes, there really is zero real good 
wheat. There's nothing good left. It's all chaff. And so the wind is going to carry it away and empty the land because of all of their evils in Babylon. And we'll talk a little more about their evils and why this judgment has to come in just a few moments. But then go on down to verse 5 and 6. He says in verse 5, For Israel is not forsaken, nor Judah by his God, the Lord of hosts, though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. Flee from the midst of Babylon, and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. So in this passage, God is just uh, prophetically saying, I'm going to remember my people Israel. I'm going to remember my covenant, even though they had sinned and filled my land with iniquity and um, sinned against the Holy One of Israel. Yet after their discipline, after this punishment, after this captivity, I'm going to bring you back and then I will deal with Babylon. And so part of that is fulfilled after the Babylonian captivity. And much of this chapter speaks of future events because it talks later about how the land will not even be able to be inhabited. It will be totally desolate. That's not the state now, but it will be in the future when this is fully completed. So really to understand this, you need to couple it with reading also Revelation chapter 17 and 18. I love in verse 12 how it brings out this about the Lord in the end of verse 12. For the Lord has both devised and done what he spoke against the inhabitants of Babylon. When the Lord speaks, when the Lord plans something, you can be absolutely certain it will be done. He both speaks with his mouth and fulfills with his hands, according to the words of Solomon at the dedication of the temple. And so we know that that's true in other places in the scriptures as well. I want to read verses 15 and 16 to you from Jeremiah 51 as well, because this just brings out the greatness of our God and the might of this God that we serve. He has made the earth by his power. He has established the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heaven by his understanding. When he utters his voice, there's a multitude of waters in the heavens. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. Oh, beloved, this is the powerful, majestic, and mighty God that Christians serve, that we know from the scriptures, the God of the Bible. So he has no rival. Babylon, he will bring the judgment upon them in his time and in his way, because he is the mighty God who can bring it to pass. Verse 17 through 19 contrasts dead idols, dead works of people's hands and carved images with the living God who dwells between the cherubim. 
In other places, it's told that he dwells between the cherubim. He lives and inhabits the space between the cherubim. He is the living God, as contrasted with these dead idols. Verse 24, it says, And I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea for all the evil they have done in Zion in your sight, says the Lord. In this, we're just seeing that God will reward Babylon according to their deeds, and they will finally get their due. In verse 29, here is where it tells us that once God is done with his judgment and his true vengeance, he says, For every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitant. So that's one of the reasons we know that some of this is yet to be fulfilled in its entirety. Verse 33 is another place in this chapter that takes us back to that wheat and threshing floor and burning off of the chaff um, imagery in verse 1 and 2. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor when it is time to thresh her yet a little while and the time of her harvest will come. In other words, she's going to get her dew and all of the, the chaff. Her land will be emptied because it will all be chaff and it will all be burned up and burned away. God promises that he's going to hear in, um, he's going to hear Israel's case that they're presenting. Verse 34 through 36 actually gives us the imagery of God as the judge and Israel pleading her case before God and stating her case. And then God's response is, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will plead your case and take vengeance for you. So God is going to respond. He is the judge who judges righteously and he will respond in righteous judgment and vengeance. Verse 45 and 46, another call to his people to get out and come away from her, perhaps before that ultimate fulfillment that will occur in Revelation 8, uh, 17 and 18. In verse 48, it says this, Then the heavens and the earth and all that is in them shall sing joyously over Babylon, for the plunderers shall come up, come to her from the north, says the Lord. That is taking us to a Revelation passage that you can look up for yourself. Revelation 18.20 speaks of the heavens rejoicing over the final dew and destruction for Babylon. In verse 56 of chapter 51, it says that vengeance belongs to God. Now, it says, for the Lord is the God of recompense. He will surely repay. And we've talked about this before, friend. Sometimes we mistake God's long suffering for silence or approval or letting people get by or whatever you want to call it. But that's not the case. His long suffering is fully intended to give an extended period of time for people to come to repentance. But there comes a point 
When that window closes and his vengeance is on its way, it's already sure and he will speak. He will do what he has said. The Bible says in many places, he says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay and he will in that day of vengeance. In verse 57, I really want to point this out as well. The end of that verse, this is a, a, a word that God is saying, but it says, says the king whose name is the Lord of hosts. And this hearkens us to Revelation chapter 19 and to Psalm 24, because in Revelation 19, he rides in on the white horse. He is coming back. That is the day of his vengeance when he will complete his vengeance against his enemies. And he is called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is his name. And then in Psalm 24, which will occur in that same time frame, it talks about those everlasting doors and gates opening up into the city of Jerusalem for him to enter. And it says, who is this king? He is the king of glory. The Lord of hosts is his name. That is our king. He's my king. And I hope and pray that he is also your king. Hallelujah. Then in verse 58, it speaks to us about how she's going to be burned with fire. Remember, we started off this chapter in verse 1 and 2, talking about that wind that's going to come, and it's going to blow the chaff, and it says it will empty her land, meaning there's no good wheat left. It's all chaff. And the chaff, couple this with what Jesus says in Matthew 3.12 and in Luke 3.17, as well as in Revelation 17 and 18, the chaff always was to be burned. And so here again, God is going to burn them with the fire. He's going to burn that place with fire. And that's part of this whole imagery of God's vengeance and God's dealing with this chaff. I believe it has something to do with Jesus' own words there. I don't believe that things are in the scriptures are here by accident. I believe God specifically chose his words. He chose his uh, images that he wanted to use. He chose his idioms. He chose his examples. And it's all tying together beautifully. So you can even see that with this aspect of it as well. Then in verse 59 through 64, we have Jeremiah concludes the words. He's telling um, Israel that yes, you're going under Babylonian captivity, but I'm going to judge Babylon too because I know how they're going to treat you and they're going to be due judgment. And so God will bring that judgment to pass. So in a sense, it's, it's an encouraging word for them as well. But then he says that you're supposed to deliver this word and read it in Babylon. He tells one of the persons that's going to Babylon, Sariah, I believe it is. He says to read it there over that place, over that land. And then he tells him to tie a stone to it and throw it in the Euphrates River. And I believe this was a symbolic gesture. But here again, to understand this fulfillment or fully, 
I think we might need to look at something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verses 6 and 7. Jesus speaks about offenses that come, and he says, if you mislead, if you offend even one of my little ones, it's better for that person who brings that offense, who misleads my people and mistreats my people, even one of the little ones. He said, it's better for them that a millstone be hung about their neck and they be cast into the sea or into the waters. And I believe that that's a beautiful tie or a very important tie to understand here because this imagery is consistent. This symbolic action that they had to take is consistent with Jesus' words. And the reason for that is because so much of all of the evil, false doctrines and idolatry and false religions that have plagued the entire earth, the whole of history, ever since Genesis chapter 10 and 11, have been tied to Babylon. They've been birthed and developed through Babylon. And so I believe that that's why Jeremiah is told to do this, because in a sense, God is holding Babylon responsible for all of that ever since Genesis chapter 11. And so I believe that that ties with Jesus' words, and it's consistent with the theme of what he was saying, and it certainly fits the Babylonian doctrines and, and those types of things. Now, this is God's prophetic word against the evils and the evil nations and the evils that those nations have done and brought to pass. And we've read several of them in the prophets, and there will be more in the other prophets that we will read. And so God is just telling us that judgment and vengeance is coming. He will set all aright, and he will deal with all evildoers in his own time and in his own day and in his own way. Chapter 52 is the closure to this book. It recounts the reason, the timing, and the details of the Babylonian captivity, of Judah's King Zedekiah's defeat, demise, and death. It also gives us some of the details about these different deportations and the number of Jews that went with them. And so it forms a closure to the book of Jeremiah. And technically, chronologically, the very next book would be the book of Daniel in, in a chronological sense, because Daniel is going to pick up with what happens in Babylon after that captivity. So we can find some more historical details about the Babylonian captivity from the book of Daniel and also from some of the Psalms and some of Ezekiel's writings. We will see that as we enter the book of Ezekiel a little bit. In the chronological record, this chapter of Jeremiah also would fit with the last chapter or so of Second Chronicles and Second Kings in terms of the chronological record. And then, like I said, we pick up the chronology in Daniel chapter 1 
when Daniel is actually in Babylon, and we begin to read more about that. I hope this has been a blessing to you and that you can join us again for future episodes of Bible Bites. Tomorrow we begin in the book of Lamentations as we continue reading through the Bible in this year. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name.